It takes more than extreme patience waiting for that long and slow deployment to be a great engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering, episode 128. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I am your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice show for software developers about non-technical topics. One time, I was listening to a podcast, and it was kind of an artsy podcast that does weird things with the audio, and... I heard a long gap and I kept thinking like, oh, this is interesting. They're challenging listeners' assumptions. They're they're <laughs> playing on, they're, it's it's like podcasts are all about engagement and listening and entertaining you. Mm-hmm. And they're just putting in silence to see what the listener does. And then 10 minutes later, I looked at my app and I was like, oh, it ended 10 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, vaguely patience-related content. Ten, 10 minutes. Wow, you are very patient. I mean, I was doing something i just kept being like so bold they're so bold oh they're so brave what what giants no one has been this brave since apple removed the headphone jack (laughs) from the iphone (laughs) yep those wacky podcasters what will they do next all right we have some patrons we would like to thank thank you to matthew wodowicz i got your name right maybe or at least i pronounced it the same way i did last time Agile Ventures, Zach Grannon, Michael Green, David Jackson, Nick Cantar, and Sean Clayton. Thank you so much to those people. Um, You're all contributing at the level where we shout you out every single week. Thank you to everyone else contributing. If you would like to contribute as well, you can go to softskills.audio and click the support us on Patreon button. Thank you very much. We appreciate your support. All right. Should I read our first question? Yeah. Yeah. Are you sure? I'm really sure. Okay. (laughs) All right. Here goes nothing. I think this comes from an anonymous listener who says, I'm working for minimum wage as a full-time systems administrator at a state university while I'm taking classes. I really like working here, but I need to make at least 40K per year to justify this level of effort for much longer. I just got offered a job two hours away for 80 to 100K as a system administrator at a smallish ISP. The same day, my boss told me that he got approval to hire me at 45K in three to four months. If I wait and stay... I'm not making what I feel I'm worth, but if I leave, I'll make way more money and probably won't finish my bachelor's degree. I already have five years of experience as a, quote, system admin. I don't know why you put that in quotes. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) He fooled everyone. Yeah, like pretend system admin. (laughs) But I've done nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I already have five years of experience as a system admin, but I want to move over to technical project management in the next 10 years. I think I should stay make less money, continuing to grow my relationships in the Scholastic Network, and finish getting my bachelor's bachelor's degree. That way I can get past HR checks to become a future project manager somewhere else. What should I do? Take the money, take the money, (laughs) take the money, take the money, take the money, (laughs) take the money! (laughs) Wait, what do you... I'm not, I don't quite follow. What do you think you should do? <laughs> I think you should take the money. Oh, I see. So this is reflective of my own personal experience, which was very similar. Some of the details, I wasn't a sysadmin, but I was a developer. I had been working on campus and some lower paid off-campus jobs. And I was pretty close to finishing my degree, but I would have to either work full-time while finishing it or work part-time and make a bunch less money. And I took the money. I stopped working on my degree. But I uh, helpfully disguised myself from knowing that fact. Um, Not disguised myself. 
I, I bamboozled myself by saying, <laughs> I'll just do online classes and work full time and do those full time. That way I won't have to go into class. But really, that was just me dropping out of college. <laughs> <laughs> You're um, like, surely I can finish these two classes online in the next 10 yeah. years. And I, I don't have a time machine. I don't know what would have happened, but I can tell you it doesn't feel like not finishing those classes has hurt my career in any way. Mm-hmm. I think if, I mean, my plan was to take that job later. So if I had done that, I would have just been, I would have spent more time working part-time and making less money. I would have just been some thousands of dollars behind financially where I am right now. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't feel like it's harmed me at all. And I feel like the market and perception and culture and everything have all shifted even more since then so that it, yeah. I feel like it would harm me even less if I did it today. Yeah, like boot camps weren't even a thing back then. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like system administration maybe even places less requirements for degrees. That's my vague impression, yeah. where it's yeah. a lot of people that just like get into computers when they're kids and turns out you can do a lot of cool sysadmin stuff without ever going to school at all. Yeah, exactly. I don't think I've ever seen a job description for a system admin that says required computer science bachelor's degree. What about this technical project management thing? So maybe the question asker could get a great sysadmin job, but is it going to hurt their long-term goal, do you think? Well, that depends on how they define technical project management, because that that has a lot of different definitions depending on what company you're at. And it could be anything from the person who walks around with with the clipboard checking off and reporting status on a project on one end of the spectrum to like a director of a big organization managing people and, and leading a, a technical team on the other end of the spectrum and, and a lot of things in between. So I would say that even though I just took a long time to explain that spectrum, I don't think this decision will impact <laughs> any, any of those roles. <laughs> but I think it might impact some uh, slightly less than others. I think that if you want to be the clipboard checkboxer person, I think that your technical degree will be even less important. But if you want to be the director, you know, at a at a big company, then your pedigree, your 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 academic pedigree may may be challenged. I've never been a director at a big company, so I don't know what that world is like. But I feel like it it's got to have more to do with what you get done, right? It, I mean, uh. I I see announcements of new director people joining our company. And it never mentions anything about where they went to school. It's always like this person worked at eBay and did all kinds of rad stuff there and then came here. It's it's like, yeah, I mean, maybe there's some something somewhere in that path that's been gated by degree, but I feel like I don't see it at higher levels either. It's all just they seem like they've been very successful so far and they could probably be successful in this role. Yeah, you're right about that. I agree. I've had the same experience. Let's say you got a new director or a new technical project manager or whatever. Would you think to ask like, I wonder if they have their degree. And if so, where is it from? I I never would. But I do work in an organization that has a very high, they place a very high value on educational pedigree in certain Hmm. roles. Because like half of my organization has a science background. And every single one. Machine learning type stuff? Yes. Like machine learning, natural language stuff. And every single one of the people in that hierarchy, whether it's, um, you know, whether it's an individual contributor all the way up to the VP and everyone in between, they all have PhDs, yeah. right? So it's like, a, it's, I have a little bit of that bias based on my current situation. Hmm. But that doesn't sound like this situation at all. 
No, and I don't think you can get a PhD like in systems administration. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. You'd be a pioneer. <laughs> Here's my dissertation. I just wrote down everything people already do. It's the first PhD dissertation, so you just accept it. Yeah. No what. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think... I mean, okay, what would you lose out on? You would lose out on the scholastic network kind of academia um there's some probably intangibles there there might be some connections you could make but my career has been affected way more by people i meet professionally than by people i met in school oh yeah i mean aside from your your peers right like your teachers and other faculty they have had zero impact and i have maintained some connections with some of them but they've had basically zero impact and that's because the academic sphere tends not to coincide with the professional sphere, right? Like those those interactions, those bridges are few and far between. Yeah. Yeah, I think we both agree. You should totally take the money. Or, or you should tell your boss like, hey, here's the other offer I had. I would like to stay here. I guess if that's what you really want. Dave, every time we talk about salary like this, you always tell me don't, you always tell people don't use this offer to negotiate more money. But I feel like... <laughs> If, if the motivation for leaving is purely financial and you would like to stay if they gave you more money, that seems fine. Yeah, but I mean, this is a situation where this is an employee at a state university. There's just yeah, no true. way that, that that money is going to move up okay. anywhere even near what he's been offered. All right. All right. Nuance removed. I tried <laughs> to put some in. It's, it's back out. Take the money. So now... I'm, I'm going to push back on you a little bit on this one, Jameson, because I okay. think that there is inherent value in finishing your degree, even <laughs> even if even if it doesn't directly benefit you in the job search or the job market. It just feels good to have it done, and some people really value that, you know. And how much can you place a dollar amount on that good feeling? Like how? Let me well let me counter with another question. How much is it worth to you? And I'll I'll tell you how much is it worth to me. To just be able to play the trump card anytime you say something, I can say, yeah, well, I, I got a computer science degree and you didn't. Can you put a price on that? Uh, yeah, I think all of the money that I've made by <laughs> not finishing my degree. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I can't tell if you're joking or not, but there's, there's value in college. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm only I'm only like half joking. I, I certainly don't put any like value in being able to tell people that I have a degree and especially to win arguments with Jameson. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I will say that if you don't finish now, you will probably never finish. And I think that individual folks need to like look at themselves and say, how much will that um, haunt me in 20 years? And I know several people for whom it haunted them enough that after their kids were grown and they were, you know, in their 50s, uh, they actually did go back and get their degree just to finish it up. And there was really no economic or market-driven reason for that other than they just wanted it to be done. Sure. Yeah. I'm, uh, I have some projects finishing up this month, but then I hope to take it back up. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. I, I'm slowly plugging away. But Someday why? I'll be able to... Because I'm so close and, and the cost is different. So this I person's see. situation... There's a very large financial cost to finishing the degree. And so they have to judge, is it worth it to give up this extra, what did they say? 45K versus 80. Yeah, this extra um, 35 to, how do I math? (laughs) $55,000 a year. Yeah. And for me, it's like, 
do I want to spend an hour a day for the next six months working on this? Because I have one class left. It's all online. Like, it's a much lower cost, much more easily born. Here's something we glossed over in the question. I'm working for minimum wage as a systems <laughs> administrator. Wow. And presumably, oh, yeah, this, they, this, they say I have five years of experience. Um, that's incredible. Fortunately, you, you know, this 40K raise or 40K per year, 45K per year is coming in a few months. And that's great. But goodness, uh, you have been underpaid for a very long time at this university. I don't know if there's a way around that, though, if that's just how the university pays everyone. Like, what are you going to do besides just quit? Yeah, depending on the, the location of the university, there just may not be other IT jobs in the in the same city that the university's in, you know? Yeah. Could be the only I, gig in town. When I worked for my university, it was relatively low paying relative to professional programming work. But for a university job, it was so cushy. It paid oh, yeah. so much better than I, I worked before as like a night security guard or something and made way more as a lowly MySQL peon than I did as a night security guard. Um, you were a security guard? <laughs> I mean, I could be loosely described as being a security guard. My job was to walk around the freshman dorms at night, and I had this weird wand thing that I touched to this sensor on the door to make sure it was locked making sure that no one had left the doors propped open so people could like sneak in and make out in the dorms or whatever. <laughs> um, I think I never saw anyone ever. <laughs> so you were you not only were you barely a security guard, you were not even a needed security guard. No, I was not. All I was doing is like securing kids from having fun. I wasn't like <laughs> protecting property or, or intimidating people i had to do it in the winter too and it was overnight so there were shifts where it'd be like 3 a.m in the winter in utah just like walking around in the snow oh man miserable with um, your wand yeah with my wand <laughs> i guess it was for self-defense maybe if i it looked kind of like a, a a pipe so maybe i could have like i don't know if i found people making out just start whacking them <laughs> like, stop it <laughs> Wow. Yeah, it was great. Well, that's good. Anyways. <laughs> and you got paid minimum wage? I bet you had more all, than minimum wage. I, I think it was, well, I can't remember. It might have been minimum wage. If it wasn't, it was pretty close. It was commensurate with the value I was providing. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you were a little overcompensated. <laughs> yeah, possibly. I, I think it felt like one of those jobs that they're like, we, we have to give jobs to students. Just, yeah. I don't know, somehow. And mm. so they just threw some money at it. I don't know. Oh, I did have to do other stuff. That was okay. I'm remembering more now. Right. Pivoting the podcast to Jameson's <laughs> vague college recollections. It was, I, I worked in the office at the like student center and it was the rotating shift to be the security guard. So most of the time I was like sitting in an office sorting stuff or like, I don't know, doing random crap on a computer. But every couple of days I had to go out and be the night security guard and I rotated between people. <laughs> okay. I'm glad you Combination that. secretary security guard. Yes. And I owe it all to that. Uh, all your success. Yep. Um, all right. Have we answered the question? I, I think so. I'm just, uh, I'm so torn on this one because if it was, if you were making a little more money, which you will be soon, I would say probably stick it out and finish your degree. Yeah, they don't. They don't say how much they have left either. But it's it. The difference is so stark. I don't know. Just uh, take the money. It's pretty big. You'll have to move though, right? Unless you're going to do a two-hour commute. Yeah, take the money. That's <laughs> fine. 
Take the money, buy a nice car. Yep. <laughs> okay, fine. Take the money. Okay. I that's how I win all my arguments. People give up. <laughs> They're not convinced. All right, can I read our next question? No, please do. This is from another anonymous listener. I have recently become the technical lead at my company. I need to build my team more, but I'm struggling with one thing. How do I overcome the fear of hiring someone better than me who could potentially overtake me as the team lead? Is this a common fear among leaders? I want to build an effective team of high caliber developers, but I can't do that if I let my ego and insecurity get in the way. This is a fascinating question. Yes. I've always seen this sentiment from the other side. I've always seen advice about like, only hire people smarter than you and people saying don't hire people that are dumber than you just to make you look smart this person is explicitly saying like but i want to hire people worse than i am (laughs) so they don't replace me like that clearly that's a sentiment some people have otherwise there wouldn't be so much advice about it but it's interesting seeing them come out and say it i appreciate your candor like what would happen if you deliberately set out to hire people that were only clearly less capable than you your job would be horrible. You, as a team lead, your life would be a nightmare. You would spend your whole day just cleaning up people's messes. It would suck so bad. Well, what if you what if you didn't? Let's rethink best practices. <laughs> okay, got it. All right, take it from the top. What if you just didn't do your job? That's what you're saying. You hired bad employees and then were also a bad employee. No, no, and, and then every time something goes wrong, you throw them under the bus... Oh, okay. So, so, so like, treat them as disposable. Yeah. And hope they never catch on that everyone who joins your team is bad at their job and gets fired for like bringing down prod. You're going to have to be good at marketing and you're going to have to say, <laughs> you're going to have to say it's not that everyone I hire is bad. It's that I am just so good and this what you see is normal. I'm a shining star. The but on the other hand, you don't have to be good at being a team lead. So mm-hmm. <laughs> It's, it's a win. Yeah. Um, as someone leading a team, I can tell you that my life is vastly improved by working with people that are really smart. And I don't want to imagine what it would be like if I couldn't work <laughs> with them. <laughs> it would be so bad. So some of it is self-serving. Like, think about what it would be like if you did this. And I can't think of a way that it would not be horrible. <laughs> that's true i mean if if you want to be engaged at work and excited and solve hard problems and, and feel like you're doing a good job having people whose hand you have to hold all the time would would pull you away from that and it would bring the team down and then i think you would probably justifiably be recognized as not doing a good job in your role either also i think that the competition for your job might be uh less common than you think every yeah. every time i've moved into a team lead role it's been like the team sits around and they're like we need a new team lead and everyone's like not it <laughs> you know and then yeah i'm the one that raises my hand and they're like oh thank goodness <laughs> yeah i that's been the same experience i've had when i've become some kind of team leader manager role mm-hmm. that there were other people who were smarter than i was even or who could have done it who just really did not want to and so they're like great Someone else can do all the stuff that I don't want to do. Yep. Yeah, I just haven't encountered. I mean, I'm sure it's got to be out there somewhere where there are people who are who are just trying to climb the ladder. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Destroy anyone in their way. But I don't think that's... I feel like all those people go to business school. And so you're safe. <laughs> just walk over to your sales department and you'll get a sense <laughs> for what that looks like. 
yeah, I just, I just don't know that this is. I guess we're spending a lot of time telling this person they're stupid (laughs) (laughs) for thinking this way. I feel bad. I think what I'm saying is I'm giving your ego permission to let go of its insecurity because there's nothing to worry about. Yeah. One thing you could also do is, so maybe, maybe it's not like, what if someone replaces me? It's like this feeling that as the team lead, you have to be better at every part of the job than anyone else on the team. And I don't think that's a reasonable expectation. I don't think that's true. I think you need a different skill set and you should be technically competent as a technical team lead and be able to be a successful individual contributor. But if you're doing it right, you don't want to be the bottleneck. If you have to be, if you have to know the most about everything, it's going to hold your team back a little bit. And and you want to be able to give people autonomy and say like, go solve our UI rendering problems. And I haven't put the time in to figure out how to solve them. That's your job. Yes. Um, and, and have someone be good at that and do a better job than you could. That makes your life better. Absolutely. I like that perspective. When I was a younger uh, engineer, I remember thinking to myself, why can't I find a manager who's better at my job than me? So I can have someone to look up to and emulate and someone who can tell me how to solve my problems and, and hold my hand more. And in the intervening 15 years, I've never found one. And I realized that's because being a good manager and being a good engineer are, they're not, one is not dependent on the other. And good managers can bring in engineers that are better than them in ways that supplement their gaps in their own capabilities, right? Like if, if your manager was great at everything, then they would just do your job for you. But that the whole point of your manager is that they're doing things that you don't want to do or can't do. And you're doing things that they don't want to do and can't do. It's a two way street. So I would embrace that symmetry and embrace that complementary notion where you uh, are depending on these people to fill gaps that you have. Um, and it's not just a matter of like making more of you. It's not like you're just cloning the manager and saying, well, I need to go 10 times faster, so I need to hire 10 people. It's mm-hmm. about fundamental capabilities that you don't have and probably won't ever have are who you're looking for in a hire. Yeah. Yeah, I, I will say um, I don't have the feeling of I can't hire anyone smarter than I am or they'll replace me. But I do still feel the pressure of of needing to know the most out of anyone. That's something I'm still trying to struggle or something I'm still <laughs> struggling through. You're trying to struggle. trying to I'm... improve on. I'm trying to let go of that. And I have room to improve. I'll say that. But, um, oh, do you remember the, hearing that story about the guy who uh, worked two jobs at once by subcontracting one of his jobs to China? Oh, yeah. He got in a lot of trouble, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he went to jail. <laughs> um, <laughs> does that, you know what? That has nothing to do with this question at all. <laughs> Never mind. Undo that. Pop that off the stack. All right. Anyways, just a, just a fun little aside for you. <laughs> Why did I think that had anything to do with this question? I know. I saw your, your notes on that, and I was like, ooh, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> I can't wait till Jameson connects these dots. Um, there must next, be something about outsourcing. There always is. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, have we answered it? How do I overcome the fear of thinking someone better than me could potentially overtake me as the team lead? Yeah. See, I think the question asker already knows this is something they need to get rid of. The question is, what yeah, are the techniques yeah. for doing it? And I would say, number one, is that you can uh, embrace your own ignorance and lack of ability. Mm. And like really be honest with yourself about what that is. You're like, I am never going to be the best at everything. Let it go. 
tell people verbally that you're not good at X, Y, or Z, and that that's why you brought in these other people to be good at it. Um, you know, just like embrace that, lean into it. I think you, until you acknowledge it out loud, you're going to have a hard time really internalizing that fact. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good point. That, that also communicates something positive to your team, which is that you don't have to pretend like, you know, stuff you don't, that might be some pressure you're feeling too, of, of, if you hire smarter people, they're going to find out that they're smarter than Mm -hmm. you and then you'll get in trouble. And I think everyone kind of experiences that to some degree when they join a team with talented people. Sounds like imposter syndrome. Yeah, it kind of is. And and if you just tackle it head on and say like, I don't know how to do this thing. I'm asking you to do it and then help help solve this problem. The other technique I would use is think about how great it is to work with people who inspire you and amaze you because they're so much better at something than you. And then think about the opposite of that, which is where you hire someone who is not as good at something as you and it bothers you and you have to help them. And by the way, this is not a knock at like mentorship and hiring junior folks. That's not what I'm talking about. But just think about the difference in those two situations and just ask yourself, do I want a team full of people who amaze and inspire me or not? And that's the price you have to pay is letting go of your ego to have that kind of awesome team that you come to work every day and go, wow, they're so amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well said, Dave. I'm really good at saying things. (laughs) i'm very secure about that yeah well that's why i'll never be on a team with you (laughs) i must be the sayer (laughs) maybe i could work for you yeah you just tell me what to say that way i could focus on the things that i'm good at like Shining your VP's uh, shoes? Uh, yeah. Okay. Got it. All right. We'll del- I'll delegate the work to you and I will do the sucking up. Okay. <laughs> Have we answered the question? Oh, I hope so. <laughs> Good luck. This is an exciting position to step into and I hope you enjoy it. It sounds like the, the fact that you're thinking about this as like a thing you need to overcome is positive because um, that means you're not just going to be like, well, I'm only hiring people worse than I am. <laughs> Problem solved, <laughs> which would be bad. Let me let me share one more story. So the very first time I became technical lead, it was a team of two, me and one other engineer. And I to, to this day, I still remember this feeling where I became the lead. I felt like I was responsible for everything. And the last thing that I wanted to have happen was one of my teammates did something that I wasn't aware of or didn't understand. And at one point, I had to take a day off or something. And when I came back, my teammate, the one and only teammate, had implemented this complicated feature that I had wanted to implement. I I thought that would be really fun. I wanted to build it. But he built it instead. And I remember having this very tangible feeling of, like, frustration with that situation and thinking, oh, no, he did it. And I'm not going to understand it. And he's going to be better than me at this thing. I don't know what came over me. But at one point, I was able to just let go of that completely and say, but it's done. And I didn't have to do it. That's awesome. Like the project made progress, even though I wasn't the one pushing the buttons on the keyboard. Yeah. I think from that moment forward, I was always so happy to delegate tasks off to people, even if it was stuff that I thought was super interesting and fun. And I just took myself out of the critical path on every project I led so that more capable people could not only contribute and make the project move forward without me, but also so that they could grow and have these cool experiences themselves. And I've never regretted that. So hopefully that helps you when you're thinking about bringing these new people onto your team. All right. I think that means it's answered. Okay. <laughs> I just have to have the last word. It's one of my insecurities. <laughs> uh, what should people do 
If they want their own questions answered, Dave, if they want to give you the last word on their questions. <laughs> Go to softskills.audio and click on ask a question where you can fill out our little form there. You can also tweet us at softskillseng and follow us on Twitter to get notified when new uh, episodes are published, as well as whenever we see cool soft skills related stuff come up, we retweet it occasionally. We promise to keep your, your Twitter feed pretty light. We aren't, we aren't super heavy tweeters. Got to save the Twitter feed for all those sweet memes and cat pictures. That's and right. Dog pictures and stuff. <laughs> all right. We'll catch you next week.